all killer no filler folks all right so good morning yeah. good afternoon good evening good night hello and goodbye my friends my name is john and welcome to karate without belts i am joined by two illustrious men back again talking to us about their upcoming seminar uh last year they had talked about we kind of had a post mortem as we as it were <laughs> on on the seminar and but now we get we're so lucky to talk about it prior to it the uh, everything that we talk about in the podcast will have it exactly as it will in the seminar right so to the t to the t <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah right <laughs> everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the grind right joint we are joined by of course keith keith Major. welcome welcome sir thank, uh, you, thank you we should have had you on here sooner but uh i kind of got blindsided by uh career adjustments so stuff happens indeed and of course you know him you love him he's got he's got the hair down there but not but not on top he so, so as to make him more aerodynamic dan bernardo <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh he's got it on his chin what do you want welcome welcome to dan i'm very very aerodynamic this nose is meant for you know wind resistance you know it's uh cutting through you know well friends let's get right to it you guys are going to have what is the third iteration mm-hmm. of this marshall is universal seminar or universal marshall seminar let's pass the ball to keith first keith would you mind talking to us about i guess what what is this seminar for folks who don't know uh it, it's pretty well summed up in the name good marshall is universal we are all Built on the same frame, two arms, two legs, one head. Therefore, the techniques that are that work tend to be universal. A wrist lock in FMA is a wrist lock in Wing Chun is a wrist lock in BJJ, and they're all done essentially the same way. The good stuff is universal. So we're trying to cut away the chaff. The um, Well, this is the way we do it in my art. Well, all that stuff is fluff. Let's get to the meat and see what part of it works. That's pretty much it. it it's actually Dan's idea. I was the one that kind of kicked him in the butt to say, well, let's do it. Uh, but it's kind of Dan's idea. It's something he'd been wanting to do. It is something that he and I had inadvertently explored for more than a decade. He would be overdoing his stuff, and I would be doing my stuff. And then at some point, he'd post something, or we'd see each other, and I'd go, well, you know, that's just like we do over in Wing Chun, or that's just like and we were constantly finding matches. And so it went from there. That's amazing that you get two people who are talking about martial arts and they're not uh, just saying, hey, you're ripping me off. Hey, you're ripping me off. It's actually being able to have peaceable uh, conversation about it. More than saying, hey, you're ripping me off. One thing that has really, really gets my craw is in any martial art community, there are the binaries. This is the only way. This is the way I was taught. This is the way it is done. This is the only way it can be. Um, bullshit. <laughs> Excuse me. Bleep. Um, it, 
We don't there are some bleeps. Uh, well, I just bleeped myself. Um, right. <laughs> I see so much of that, that so many people think in strict binary fashion. And I'm not going to, I'm going to avoid mentioning a name, but Dan knows who I'm talking about. I recently posted a statement by, oh gosh, it's not Lao Tzu. But it is a statement, the idea that, was it Lao Tzu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Chapter chapter 76, yeah. Right, right, right. And and Dan went in and pulled out the Chinese and and really fleshed it out. But somebody he and I know immediately right, untrue. It's totally untrue. You know, the the supple does does not survive. The strong is important. The idea that it is that binary in his mind in anybody's mind that you can't hold on to two concepts that yeah strength is good being supple is good you, you know you can't ex- this idea that you cannot accept another person's thought mm-hmm. you, do you get what i'm saying yeah that's i mean that it's interesting that how or take that out to a larger level just saying you can't accept somebody else's thought just by making a simple statement in public that is yeah that rings so true to so many just even outside the martial arts it rings so true to so many different things so people are very 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 binary in their thinking process certainly there are things that are true and false and base 10 mathematics two plus two equals four period end of story but uh, in in art and everything you 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 guys and I do, it's all called an art. Hmm. So there's got to be some. Well, I like a little Picasso with my Rembrandt, <laughs> right? There's got to be a little fluidity. But to the point of the seminar, there are some things that hold true. Um. And from that, you you kind of got to cut through the chaff, the the art specific. This is how my art does it. Well, yeah, okay, but let's discuss why a wrist lock wrist lock locks. Why does it work? Well, there's the joints are aligned in a certain way. Oh, okay. So you get down to the nitty gritty of it. Pass the ball over to Dan for a minute. Dan, how do you think this time around things are going to be different? You guys accomplished about two seminars at this point and going on a third. What's different this time around? So this time, well, each each time the theme has been relatively different. Um, this time, the main theme is measure or range, um, particularly um, <clears throat> how to uh, how to change range safely. Um, and, you know, whether or not you're boxing, whether you're using a sword, whether you're using a stick, whether you're kicking, whatever, the, the ability to be in a certain range, let's say long range, and then you need to get, because the objective is to get inside the opponent's weapon and neutralize them and maybe put them on the ground. If that is the objective, you have to be able to change ranges safely um, or else you get knocked out on your way in. Right. So so that's the main theme for 
for the weekend. Um, another thing that's different is uh, our second workshop. We had a wonderful, uh, wonderful session with uh, the associate dean of the law school at uh, University of South Carolina. She's coming back again, which is going to be awesome. But we are also going to have a an educational session with the CEO for a local nonprofit uh, called Lighthouse for Life that uh, fights human trafficking. This is going to be a, an interesting uh, session that I hope is educational for people who may have some thought of what is human trafficking, how it works, um, what what to look out for, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, when they talk to her, they, they may not know everything. So um, as, a, as a, a man who has two kids, specifically a teenage daughter, this sort of matters to me. And of course, it goes with the theme of, of um, you know, Good Marshals Universal being able to look at martial arts, self-defense, again, maybe not from a fighting perspective, but maybe from a different perspective. So, um, and when we talk about ranges, maybe that range has to do with knowing what who your who your kids are talking to that's a that's a really long range but it is a range so th those those are really the things that are going to be different this time around what what had brought go, brought you guys from going all right we're going to do a martial arts seminar about the differences of our stuff to we're bringing in a nonprofit ceo and a lawyer to talk about <laughs> the the these two topics that extremely relevant Come to our martial arts seminar. We're going to learn wrist locks, and we're also going to learn about human trafficking. Like the, the, this is <laughs> these don't necessarily seem to be things that, on the face of them, go together. They do, but I know, I know. You, you bury the lead there a little. How did that come to be? Well, so in in, in my mind, um, we when we practice martial arts, sometimes we talk about self defense, but when when we train, we only really train a minute moment of that whole self-defense situation. So we have maybe, you know, let's say we work on, on, you know, defending against a wrist lock and we put the guy on the ground. That takes what, five seconds at most, right? Maybe I broke his wrist. Maybe I slammed his head off of the concrete ground. Now I've got to deal with police. I've got to deal with lawyers. I've got to deal with all these things. Nobody talks about those things. So when we when we look at the the legal aspect, we have to understand also that there's there's a legal side to self-defense and to know at least have a better understanding of what the legalities of self-defense are, then that that may change your objective when you are going to try to pull off that wrist lock, which, in my opinion, is very, very important. Um, you know, a lot of people will give it a lot of lip service to, you know, preemptive striking and uh, verbal de-escalation and like all these things, but then don't really train it, don't really look at it from an actual legal perspective. Um, and so I want people when they when they come to the seminar or if they're going to join in via Zoom, we will have a Zoom link. Um, if they want to join in, um, no matter where they are, and and hang out and ask questions for 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 the people on Friday, 
I wanted to have more of a comprehensive aspect to the training. So that's why. Uh, let me add a few things to that, too, uh, to, like talking about human trafficking. And then Dan mentioning, well, maybe you want to know who your kids are talking to. Uh, in martial arts, it's very common. They walk in the door. They want to learn self-defense. Understanding the legal parameters alters how you, how or if you even enter into the altercation. It's the early, early, early part of the fight. You mentioned uh, trying to talk your way out of it, or uh, as uh, Sifu Taggett calls it, verbal jujitsu. That's kind of in the face. The fight is right there. It's right there up against you. It's in your face. But if you're looking at the legal aspects and you're thinking about things like human trafficking and stuff, you're actually entering your defense, your self-defense or family defense, much, much earlier, which is good. You can be much more preemptive and less violent. One way to think about it. The fight also, it just has... Again, Dan is right. We train this very, very small physical point where the fight is purely physical and in your face. Um, one thing I harp on a lot, I have a little spiel I go through. I call it act. There's ambush, close up and taunt. Taunt is part of a fight and it is how you handle the taunt. That's where you can get into verbal jujitsu or my answer to taunt is tactics. Can I escape? Does the taunter have friends? Are there barriers to my escape? Are there barriers to the taunter? Are they possibly setting up an ambush, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. The legal aspects, or having at least some awareness of the legal aspects, will alter how you handle all of these things. When you come, when it comes down to punches. That's passion. You've stopped thinking about the law. Beforehand, you have a chance to think about the law and the ramifications and are you justified and will you get, will the police just come and say, you, that's fine, you're cool, or nope, you're coming with us. <laughs> and afterwards, but not in the middle of the fight, you're not going to be thinking about the law. If you haven't thought about it beforehand, you certainly won't be thinking about it afterwards. Somebody will think about it for you, i.e. the judge, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Or any yeah. prosecuting attorneys or yes. whatever. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They'll be spelling out, you could have done this, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. So you have to have it, you have, you have to have exposed yourself to it so that you can think about it beforehand so that you have an idea of what you're up against afterwards. Mm. In the middle, you know, if a guy's punching you in the face, well, as Tyson said, as soon as you get punched in the face, you don't remember your name. You sure as hell don't remember the law either. <laughs> right? True. True. <laughs> well, so it's implementing kind of all these things to kind of make it not only universal, but also well-rounded to actually, to actually be able to get people an education in doing so, which doesn't seem... Most of the time doesn't seem to be what people pursue in terms of they what they want to teach people karate or martial arts or whatever, but they don't really want to go into the legality of what comes on goes on the supposed altercation. That depends if you're teaching it in that way or not. I know plenty of people who don't, but I've also well, I, I remember 
I, I think Keith, maybe you remember this a lot better than me and Dan. It's kind of the age of hearsay. Yeah. You walk into a place and be like, yeah, you know, if you do that, th- this is going to happen. And you just, it's you, funny that we think like nowadays, uh, so, uh, you just believe in a crazy guy. For a long time, this, this is how people got information. There's just a guy said a thing and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's what he said, right? And then no, now it's, it's kind of it's, just blown out to the internet, but. Yeah, it's no different. I mean, yeah. we got a whole world of conspiracy theories that are somebody thought, oh, that's how it probably happened. Let me make a video on it. We've never left the age of hearsay. That's <laughs> never, ever, ever gone away. Yeah, that it people? is. <clears throat> that's people. It's inherent in martial arts. The bad hearsay becomes a chain of teaching. Mm-hmm. One teach somebody learns something bad. They solidify it in their thought process. They end up becoming a teacher. They teach the same bad concept or bad idea. Hearsay. Oh, if I if I palm strike you in the bridge of the nose, I'm going to drive a bone into your brain and you're going to die. There is no bone in your nose, folks. <laughs> so that's well, yeah, probably it's, you know, not going to happen. It's right here, right? It's a bone. That's <laughs> no, not that, cartilage. That's not something uh, basic high school education should teach you at all. Right, right. Um, so part of what the seminar is about is dissemin- uh, 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 diffusing some of that stuff by avoiding art-specific considerations. Like I said, yeah. how does a wrist lock work? Well, let's look at the bones. Or what happens if I palm strike you at the base of the nose well the cartilage breaks and you end up with a boxer's nose and you probably start to have a a, maybe a deviated septum problem later in life but that's about all that really happens it's not like a bone gets driven into your brain (laughs) it it, we try and cut through some of that stuff dan dan is very very good at digging through as you know um digging through his art and history and books and the so and so said this and here's a really bad example of it and here's a better example of it. I try to cut through a lot of the fluff too. I I am not as in depth as Dan, but uh, I try to. An example being, I was taught in Wing Chun. Two hands never touch one. And then I start going, but we do it all the time. How does that rule even come to exist? <laughs> that some people have that rule that when two hands are touching one, that is a potential for a trap. But we do it all the time. It happens in the Mukyang Jong form. It happens all the time. So it's a bad rule. It's somebody that Something that somebody created as a rule, but it's a bad rule. So the whole idea behind good martial is universal is to say, don't don't think about that stuff. Let's look at actual physical stuff that works for the physical combat part. But then, like, we had the opportunity to have the, the attorneys there and say, well, let's look at what happens if you clock somebody and they hit their head on a planter and die. Again, it's all about objectives, right? Like somebody's coming at you with, a, you know, something, a weapon. 
and your objective is to disarm that weapon and neutralize the opponent in some way, let's say the objective is neutralizing the opponent so that they're on the ground and you're not. That's an objective that I could give to anybody in any system of martial art. And most of the time, they're going to do something very similar. If the attack is coming in at this angle and it's coming here and your left foot is forward and your objective is the same, I don't care if you're a boxer, if you're a Filipino martial artist, if you're a Wing Chun practitioner, Tang Soo Karate, I don't care. Chances are they're going to do pretty much the same thing. And if, if we understand the objectives based on the legality, if we can say, well, I don't want to smash his head off the concrete floor. So the objective is going to change. I need to make sure that he goes down safely. Maybe I, maybe I need to put his head on my foot when I put him down, right? Mm. Maybe I need to make sure that I, I control that weapon so that it doesn't go flying because I've got bystanders over here, right? So the objective really starts to decide what the technique will look like. Not style. Styles are just methods of instruction. What tools you use to instruct, what uniform you wear, Names. what terminology you use, right? Like things, that's what styles are. But yeah. real, you know, like, but but when you start to, to see that if you have one objective, good martial is universal. And then likewise, and I say this all the time, bad martial is also universal. So if you're doing something horrible, I don't care what style it is, <laughs> it's going to be horrible. So that's really why I want to have this almost non-martial, quote-unquote, umbrella that we do first. Each of, Everybody goes into this seminar and starts to learn about something that has nothing to do, almost seemingly nothing to do with martial arts. Because what it does is it puts us in a, in a path of... Let's look at objectives rather than let's look at styles. Then we can train and look at the objectives from different perspectives. That's my objective. <laughs> okay. Well, didn't you didn't you recently put up a writing by Hong Yi that talking about why you train and why you use martial art, which lends directly to this idea of hey let Let's find out that uh, here in South Carolina, you are a little bit, you have a different consideration on self-defense than you would in some other state, for one thing, or what constitutes self-defense. I mean, your own, I don't want to say creator, but young, young, we, uh, I mean, and for, forgive my pronunciation, but he had said it's, it's not about as I recall, and I'm going to be greatly paraphrasing, it's not just about being muscular, strong, defensive, fighting, uh -huh. aggression. It had a, it has a greater purpose. Um, uh, uh, Guru Nasanto says the same thing. He's well known for saying, you know, it's about life and family. It's mm -hmm. not about beating up on mm -hmm. people. If you understand the ramifications, also, if you get into the weeds with the with the lawyers and hence the juries uh, who have to decide, is this altercation just? 
when you get into the weeds of looking at that, you come away with a different perspective. Um, to especially most martial art practitioners being hormonally driven, middle age, prime age males, there tends to be an I don't care, I'm going to smash you in the face attitude. Um, Andre mentioned a, a, a guy I know, uh, Sifu Dominic Izzo. He likes to wear a shirt that says, Wing Chun, touch me and your first lesson is free. Mm-hmm. And it's every martial art has used that mm-hmm. little cliche at some point or another. Mm. But boy, you could get yourself in trouble if you actually did it. <laughs> right. If you're if you're standing there in the, in the mall or in the grocery store in the line, and somebody taps you on the shoulder and you bop them one, uh, you wouldn't be out in public very often. You'd be you'd be somebody's friend behind bars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's a. Uh... Here we go. Here we we go. have we have, we are touching Self so many points to a new today. point. All right. Um, no, I mean, this brings up a, a big thing that we don't talk about a lot is that because we're kind of obsessed with styles and histories and all this other stuff. But I mean, at least from an American perspective, there is a idea that, oh, we can just blanket everything as self-defense. And from a legal perspective, that can be all taken care of. And I'm assuming the uh, well within legal team is saying the opposite of that is that even though if you get into an altercation, it you have to prove that you're the yeah. one who's being attacked. You have to prove that you have to. Yeah. And I think that's a little easier with cameras and everything nowadays, but still, um, there, that there doesn't mean you're out in the woods. There's five elements to a self-defense case, not legal if, advice. No, but if any one of those gets proven that it wasn't, you know, that you didn't have one of those elements, essentially your whole defense goes out the door. Okay. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated. And so the best part about, you know, what, uh, what Susan does, the, the lawyer, she gives us real, uh, cases and we have to talk our way through them. And then she'll tell you whether or not this person was convicted or not. And a lot of time, or I, I mean, even last time, I think, Keith, you probably, you know, uh, attest to this. There were a couple that we were like, oh, wow. Yeah, we didn't expect didn't expect that. But then, like, some of them are like, oh, yeah, totally. But, I mean, there was there was points where it made you think. It made you really second guess and question about whether or not. Because it, it stopped being opinion. It stopped being like, uh, well, what if? Right. You can't because you can't have what ifs. You can't have maybes. Right. It's just this is the information we're given. So based on the information that we're given about this case, is this person. Uh, was this person legally defending themselves or were they not? And uh, it it's fascinating. Yeah. It gives you a different perspective. Um, me personally, it, a lot of it aligns with my moral perspective. And some people who teach martial arts do try to keep the moral there, but there are a lot who don't, especially in the, uh, and I, I'm not picking on JKD, but a lot of those aggressive 
20 something 30 something males uh, who who are thinking touch me and your first lesson is free there is no moral consideration in that in my opinion and exploring the league yeah well okay you you i guess you could call that their morality but to me that's i I want a morality that i can go to bed with Mm -hmm. and not one where i have to go well was i right was i wrong the more you think about the legal aspects because that's all any country not just the united states any country's legal code is about trying to weed out what that moral code is I mean, regardless of where the country is, if a murder is committed, the question is, was it a just murder? Well, what does just mean? Now, it may change country to country a little bit because of their morality, but there is still a general moral code. And in the case of something as, as serious as a death, a murder, um, there tends to be a lot of similarities even across cultures you you just dan mentioned i I think maybe even during the last one uh, we have this high opinion of the samurai but there was a period of time where they would just walk if if they just didn't like you they'd lop off your head i mean it's you were just yeah yeah they were born out of their mind yeah you're just in my way and i i don't like the way you smell what um that wouldn't go in most cultures these days, right? It well, wouldn't go that, that legally was, or morally. There was a particular class of people at a certain point in time. I, 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 True. Lo, let, let us True. not privilege uh, the samurai in that regard. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. To to yeah. I, I hate to but, you know to quickly. If you guys can go give me give me one thing you wish everyone could take away from this seminar coming up and two how can they find the zoom link how can they find information on the seminar start with keith the one thing i would want people to take away from this seminar is that kind of like i mentioned at the outset that things are not that binary that um it is not necessarily a good idea to say well in my style we do it this way and that is the only way that will work no we're trying to weed past that um hopefully people will be they'll they'll go through the experience that dan and i went with each other where we would watch different martial arts and go oh that right there is exactly a fraction of what I do, too. And that must be the good stuff. If people get to that point, then watching any martial art becomes a learning lesson. They should be able to watch a, a Wing Chun guy should be able to watch a BJJ match and go, oh, man, yeah, that clinch right there, the way he's holding that hand, perfect. That will work for me. Instead of, well, it's BJJ, it's not Wing Chun, I don't care. So that's what I would want people to come away with. Great, great. Thank you, Keith. And Dan, how about you? Um, uh, I would say 
similarities between systems um, help when you when you understand the similarities it helps to make the differences matter mm. now, I, I don't want to talk too philosophically about this but what that really means is if if, if I look at you know um, a 1960s Volkswagen Beetle and then I look at a 1960s Porsche and I ask somebody just tell me what the differences are they could probably name a bunch of differences just right off the bat you know but if if I ask somebody tell me what are the similarities I want you to truly understand what makes that Volkswagen Beetle and that Porsche the same then they start to understand okay well I know how an engine works. I know how a powertrain works. I know how a transmission works. I know how suspension works. I know how brakes work. I know how all these things work. Okay. Then, if I ask you to tell me the differences, you will explain to me not only differences, but why they are different. Because you will have an understanding of what those similarities are. So then I can come to you and say, I need you to design a, a, a braking system. And then you could say, well, what's it for? Because I could design a braking system for a truck, but that's not going to do anything if I put it on a smart car. It's not that they don't work. But if I know how a braking systems work, I can design a braking system specifically for your need. And so understanding the similarities really helps to allow you to make the differences make sense. Mm. And then you can look at different styles and go, well, that's different. Because of this, that is why they do that differently. It's the same principle. That's a, you know, those are those are brakes for a sports car. That's a brake for a truck. But they do the same thing. The differences are because of this. And so then there's not this, you know, as as uh, Keith was talking about this strict binary, this false dichotomy. There's none of that anymore. There's just understanding, and there's more. Does that make sense? That's the no, biggest thing I want people to take away from this from this seminar. Cool, cool. And where can we uh, find information on this? So you can go to wellwithinma.com. Uh, click on the upcoming events link, and you'll see a way to register and a schedule. Um, and uh, even link, you'll see links at the bottom, a link for, for the uh, Susan Quo, the, uh, the attorney that we'll have there, and then a link for Lighthouse for Life, the nonprofit that will be there. So, Great, great. Well, thank you so much, guys. Sorry to keep it to a minimum today, but it's all killer, no filler today. Thank I'd you. love to have you guys back before the end of the year. And um, Keith, we want to hear stories from the 70s. <laughs> so, 70s? 60s how far back do you want to go <laughs> how I mean, far back can we go <laughs> that's the real question yes um, but until then gentlemen thank you so much good I, I i always have the uh the theater thing so i don't say good luck i say break a leg um don't break too many though and yeah have a great time guys i wish it w i wish it could be there but uh i encourage everybody who can go should go and uh anyone who can follow that link go to that link but until then, gentlemen, thank you so much. All right, and, uh, thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And uh, don't forget, everybody, keep on training.